Dotnet Rocks episode 800, recorded live Saturday, August 25th, 2012. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklins.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much and welcome to .NET Rocks show 800. I'm going to start off the show by myself before the rest of the guys come on here to tell you about the .NET Rocks Visual Studio 2012 launch road trip. That's right, it's road trip time again. Just like we did in 2010, Richard and I are going to be coming to a city near you, and I'll tell you the cities in a minute. In each place, we're going to fly in a rock star and do a .NET Rock show. Then we're going to have a presentation about building modern apps with a modern life cycle, which will include both Richard and myself. We'll have some food. We'll adjourn to a pub afterwards, most definitely. And uh, here are the details. So we're starting September 19th in Vancouver. Then the 20th, we'll be in Seattle, the 22nd in Portland, 24th in Salt Lake City, the 25th in Denver, 26th in Omaha, 27th in Minneapolis, Saturday the 29th will be in Chicago. Monday, October 8th, we'll be in Indianapolis, the 9th in Detroit, the 10th in Cleveland, the 11th in Pittsburgh, the 13th, Saturday in Toronto. Monday, the 15th in Rochester, the 17th in Boston, co-located with Monospace, the 18th in New York, Saturday, the 20th will be in Philly. Monday, the 22nd in Atlanta, the 23rd in Charlotte, the 24th in Nashville, the 25th in Louisville, Kentucky, and Saturday, the 27th will be at the uh, Northern Virginia Code Camp in Reston, Virginia, right outside Washington, D.C., Saturday, the 3rd of November, we'll be in Tallahassee, Florida at the Tallahassee Code Camp. Monday, the 5th in Tampa. Wednesday, the 7th in Orlando. Monday, the 12th in Bentonville, Arkansas. Didn't see that one coming, did you? The 14th in Houston. The 15th in San Antonio. The 17th in Dallas. And sorry, Austin, but Formula One is happening that uh, around that time, and there's no way we could have any kind of event there. Monday, the 26th in Phoenix the 27th in San Diego, the 28th in Los Angeles, the 29th in San Jose, finishing up with San Francisco on December 1st. For more information and to keep abreast of what's going on with the road trip and the venues and all that stuff and registration, which is coming soon, go to .netrocks.com slash roadtrip.aspx. And uh, if you want to uh, keep abreast of updates and changes whenever we change anything, make sure that you subscribe to me on Twitter Carl Franklin, that's where we're going to be pushing out the data from. All right, and that brings us to the show, show 800. Richard and I would like to welcome uh, our very special friends and our special guests, Scott Hanselman and Rob Connery. Welcome, guys. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is probably the only one of the .NET Rocks that's going to sound like a, an amateur podcast because we're all saying to ourselves, so what are we going to talk about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a typical episode of Hanselman. Nice. No, no, no. Come on now. I was listening to This Developer's Life, uh, the last one that you uh, guys did, which I think was April, right? And it was called Learn. And by the way, just I, I really love the quality and the care that you guys take with that podcast because it's not easy 
and uh, we were Rob and I were talking about this before we started. It, it really isn't easy. If you just want to make something sound like people are talking coherently, it's not easy. But add to that, you know, music and cues and kind of that kind of stuff, and it it gets difficult. But the the subject matter was great, and Rob starts the show by saying, you know, I'm trying to learn something. And I'm not getting it. And I feel, I have this feeling like my brain is full. Like I have to let something go in order to retain this new thing. And that really resonated with me because I've had that feeling so many times. So I just want to throw out the topic here real quick, not to redo what you guys did, but to kind of explore what, what it is that helps us learn and retain and thinking back on those times when we did retain something, what was going on. And I look, I think about music and I think about how that helps with brain plasticity and creating neurons and all of that stuff in my case. And, but then I think about Richard. Richard, you are a freak of nature, my friend. I mean, <laughs> I was trying to figure out what you're talking about when you said full. What does that mean exactly? Yeah, I don't. So I, I want to know, Richard, has your brain ever been full? Have you ever had that sensation? No, not really. I t- I get tired. F*** you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah. But I think in I think in systems. That's the other thing I think really annoys people is that I I don't just want to learn one thing, I want to learn the whole thing. Yeah. So, but I don't tend to retain it until I learn the whole thing. The good news is I learn the whole thing fairly fast and but it all comes back to the story, right? All I all I really want to do is tell the story. And you can't tell a story until you have the whole thing. In case people don't know this about Richard, when he reads something, he doesn't forget it. And and on top of that, has this love of research. So when most people sit down to watch TV, Richard goes on the internet and he starts researching things and he learns things. And I don't know how many hours a day you spend doing this, but I've been there when, you know, on the road trips and stuff and in the hotel rooms and you're reading and, and retaining and learning and stuff. And... Um, so I just wanted to know how you did that. Well, for what, and for whatever, the joke course is that I only, I primarily and almost entirely learn from reading. Uh, don't learn from video. Don't learn from podcasts, really. I mean, I listen to them occasionally, but that's its own set of problems. But for me, I, I've always been a con, an avid consumer of the written word and, uh, whatever form that may take. And, and, it, but it generally, it hangs around. I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you. That's how I learn. That's how I've always learned. In the end, you know, my work for years here has been take the written word and then reproduce it in other forms that that folks can consume. Isn't that supposed to be the way we're supposed to learn? I I guess it's just there's lots of folks that don't learn that way that that need to learn from another medium. I'm just saying that reading and comprehending is the point. Mm -hmm. Like. Capital T, you know what I mean? That is certainly the the biggest tool we have as humans, whether we're left brain, right brain, or whatever. But uh, certainly there are different learning styles. Some people learn uh, visually. Most people learn visually. Some people learn auditorily. Sure, and there's kinesthetic learning. There's, and kinesthetic. I'm just pointing out that, that in order to be successful, one needs to be able to read and comprehend. Well, that is true. That is true. I was just going to say, I think that one of the things that people forget is that they need to sleep. Yeah. Like, it's great that Richard does all those things, but he, he needs to sleep afterwards. Otherwise, it doesn't get moved from short-term memory into long-term memory. Right. And that's not a Richard thing. That's just a human thing. Not- that's Things move into long-term memory 
they get, you know, defragmentation happens while you sleep. Right. Yeah, I think I learned things by doing them. Um, and it sounds kind of trite to say that, but if I'm trying to learn a new bit of technology, for instance, like Node, when I learned Node, I had to do it again and again and again. And I, and I feel like it's almost like spelunking into a subject. Um, and then the deeper you go, the bigger the cavern gets. And then I feel like I have to explore that cavern and then keep going deeper. Um, for instance, I always tell people I rewrite TechPub about three or four times a year because hmm. it's a subject I know. But I touch on things that I don't think, I don't think you might typically touch on just by reading and then sleeping, because then you know, then to me, it's like you don't really, you still don't know it because it's not a tool that you use. And I don't know if you need to go deep on on something all the time, but then when do you really feel like you know it? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and it, it does, and it's sometimes just trying to fit something in it seems like you're forcing it and uh there there i i guess you know here's the other thing the researchers have shown i don't know if you guys have talked about this but when there's strong emotional content you know strong emotional strong emotions while you're learning something or observing something you tend to burn it in much much better particularly negative emotions which is probably one of the reasons why people like you know action movies but, you know, the fight or flight response, the adrenaline does something. Your brain says, this is bad. I must avoid this again. Uh, you know, so I really need to pay attention to what's going on so I can digest it later. This is why I read the newspaper while driving down the highway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm afraid all the time. It records really well. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. Actually, I could have said uh, just maintaining my exchange server because I'm afraid of that, too. But, you know, and I'm not suggesting, Rob, that while you're trying to learn Node.js that you have, you know, um, mm -hmm. you're all stressed out and things because I don't think stress helps learn it. I mean, when we're talking about these things that burn into the brain, it's usually the visual information. I don't know. I, I, I think stress does play a factor, at least for me. You know, so, so imagine this, Carl. You're trying to learn. Uh, we talked about CoffeeScript last time I was on the show. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, you're sitting down, you're reading it, you're musing over it. You're thinking, oh, gosh, I could use this in this way. I could use this in that way. And then you start using it and you play a little bit. But eventually that sense of adventure is going to come to an end. Mm. And then if you start using it in a project, well, that's a whole different thing. That, that to me, it, in, almost in a way, it's like everything I just read and tried to do is out the window because now it's go time. Right. And it's a whole new experience because you've got Google open. How do I solve this problem? Oh, my God. You know, does this really work? And to me, it's like, that is when you really learn something, when your butt is right over the flames. You know, Ra, as you're saying that, I'm matching up experiences that happened to me, and, and you're exactly right. In stressful times, you tend to get things done, and it's just the way it is. But I'm not suggesting that you put yourself in a position of stress when you're trying to learn. Because yeah. obviously, that's, it's really not good for you. Of course. <laughs> But it, it, I mean, isn't the story that everything is always built twice, once in the head and once with the hands? Right? Yeah. So it's one thing to internalize a technology. It's another thing to implement with it. It's, you know, it's the same thing as build a doghouse. You know what I would like to be better at doing when it comes to learning is writing throwaway stuff. Like the people that I really respect online that do amazing stuff have a bunch of goofy little projects, you know? 
And there seems to be a couple different levels of that, of people who make goofy little projects. Like, you know, yesterday I was goofing around and I wanted to learn um, some entity framework obscure thing. And I started poking around and discovered that something didn't work the way I thought it would work. And I consciously forced myself to write something that I knew would not be useful. But about halfway through it, I became very uncomfortable because I really, really needed it to be useful. Like, I couldn't just write a throwaway. Does that make sense? I needed something productive to pop out on the other end, you know? And people who are really, really cool that I respect tend to go that extra mile. They don't just go 80%. They get a designer or they get a template and they get a domain name and then they, they throw that thing up on the web. And, and I know that it has less to do with learning, but somehow it makes the learning so much more satisfying. You know what I mean? Like Rob could have done the, he has a, a, a micro ORM called Massive. He could have done Massive and then just kept it in a drawer. But he polished it, made a little logo, put it up somewhere, and told people about it. And that is the difference between a throwaway and something that is that lives longer. And I just feel like I don't want to keep writing the uh, the Northwind database over again. You know, I yeah. want to write something and then put it out there. Yeah, isn't it about prosecuting the complete problem? As soon as you have to think in terms of I actually I need to put it out there so you know part of this is going to be style but as soon as it's a useful right. thing that's where you actually push against all the edges one of the things I get stuck in is is what what they call yak shaving nice <laughs> uh, which is the, the the setting up of the doing of the things and the kind of the preparing the yak <laughs> before you do anything with the yak you have to shave it I so, really don't want to know what you're preparing to do with the yak. Have you ever? No, but it, no, <laughs> pre, pre, yeah, presumably eat it. But um, okay. having, you, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one of the four of you that's actually met a yak, and <laughs> a not gonna eat it. That's true. <laughs> Just not but gonna. The, the, the point I'm making, though, or attempting poorly to make, is that um, you you hear about people getting work done in like six hours and they learn something in six hours. Mm -hmm. And I like the six hours is about the point where I just have my, my batch file set up to build the thing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the yak shaving. I always get stuck doing that. Yeah. Well, you know, in some sense, I think you have to sort of psych yourself up sometimes to do the thing and remind yourself that you can. I think maybe, maybe the fear of not being able to follow through and being able to do something prevents us from taking stuff in. And I see this with my kids all the time is that, and even, and old people too, you know, we talk about our parents, you know, in computers, and this is the perfect example is that all they have to do is listen to this one sentence the icon is right there. That's all they have to absorb. You know, just double click it or right click it or whatever. And my mother would go, I can't take that. Oh my God. Yeah. What are you doing to me? I can't remember that. I don't have time for this. Right. Yeah. So the other one that's so funny is like, there's only a thousand twenty four by seven sixty eight pixels on their screen. And it's like, click the start button. I can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, there's only so many, like, there's only like 10 inches by 10 inches for your eyes to scan. Right. Just, no, it's there. I don't see it anywhere. But do you think, Rob, like when you were talking to your buddy over a beer about Node.js and you, it was up to you to break the ice and you're just like, you didn't even know what to say. 
Do you think there was, <laughs> yeah. do you think that's what it is? Is it like fear of, holy crap, I'm not going to be able to understand this. So why should I bother? Well, it's something that can be so foreign to you that you don't even know how to ask the question. Right. And I've been there so many times, like, you know, especially talking to Scott about, uh, I don't know, a given subject, you know, and I remember this at Microsoft when, when we first started working together and I was, we're, we're sitting there talking about something and for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. I, I think it was something to do with MVC and CSS or something like that. And, and he said, well, you know how to use the, the, you know, Fetzer valve or the Slonst or whatever it was you said to me, I don't even remember the term. And I looked at you completely blank. Right. And then I remember you looked back at me and I, I, it was like this thing, like, I think you wanted to snap your fingers in front of my face. Like, hello, where'd you go? <laughs> We're trying to do some work here. <laughs> I just didn't even know what Scott had said. And I didn't know what this, I, I had no idea what to ask next. And it's, it's funny because it, it's a moment of paralysis yeah. where you know that you need to say something. And it's funny coming back to what you were saying, Carl, about, um, about Matt Ranny, the guy I was talking to. Uh, all I could bust out with was, I, I'm not a very good programmer. You should know that right now. <laughs> right. So, so do you think that's like a fear of not being able to understand it? Because I, I mean, because I see that in other people at different levels, of course, that they're not trying to learn Node.js, but, and, and I've experienced it as well. I've, I've looked at something and just said, no, no, not gonna, not even gonna look into this. Because maybe it's just like this, this fear of, I'm not gonna be able to do it, so why should I you waste know, my time? Though- but I think that both of you guys just made a good point. But the thing that Rob just said that resonated with me is that an aspect of maturity is the ability to say, I, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, somewhere about f- 10 years ago, I decided that I would ask in a meeting when I don't know the definition of a word. I would just right. lean into it. I mean, I'm not going to sit there ignorantly and, and, you know, someone says some word. I don't remember. This happens to me probably twice a week. Someone will say some work, some word, and everyone will look around because the guy just used a big word. And okay, fine, you know, I didn't go to a top tier school. I'm going to ask, what does that mean? And you know, no one has fired me yet for asking yeah, the how, definition of that word. But how many so times do you get the guy doesn't know? He just popped a word, and now you've caught him. Well, even better. But, well, <laughs> even better. better. But the point, the point <laughs> I'm making is that you know, every really once better. in a while. You know, I mean, like, like, uh, and I'll feel stupid. I mean, people will, like, let me give you another example. I was talking to a programmer guy, and he, uh, he was a, a, a SQL guy, and he says, uh, blah, 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 cardinality. And I'm like, okay, I remember when I used to do databases, I knew, car- you know, what's cardinality again? Right. You know what I mean? And yeah. he looked at me like, you know, I just dropped 12 notches in his head. Right. Yeah. Because it's like, I know it, but it's like, okay, listen, I can either Google it and you can wait. Or you can, oh, yeah, Cardinelli. And then, and then suddenly, you know, all of school comes back into my head. So, yeah, maybe I lost some points for asking what Cardinality is, and maybe someone just stopped this podcast because I just asked but what it, Cardinality But is was. this a, re- a, le- a remnant of pre-internet learning? I mean... No, it's just I'm old. No, no, no. You <laughs> know, that's fundamentally I, what it is. That's funny, but uh, you know what I'm saying? It's uh, true. That now all the stuff is out there, so there are things that we just don't have to have on the tip of our tongues, but it's impressive to us when we do know those things because we don't have to look it up. But there's so many oh. people that can do just as good a job knowing what to look up when. Well, I think the issue is that there was a time called the 90s. Nice. 
when you, you d- didn't know everything. And by didn't know everything, I literally mean someone might say something in a bar. They might just start talking mm-hmm. out of their butt and make some de- declaration. Right. And you couldn't call them on it. Right. Right. You couldn't Wikipedia them and call them on their BS. Right. So you might be sitting around and like, hey, who's that actor in that thing? And you know what would have to happen? The you loudest would not guy wins. Know. Well, you would not know. Right. Exactly. And you would literally mm-hmm. have to deal with not knowing for well, some period of time. And for more importantly, fast forward now, and we have these things in our pockets. I've taught my kids at a very early age, and I've probably told this story on the show too many times, that you have a portable BS detector. And don't take anybody's word for it. And I think the kids just know this yeah. automatically now. So Sure. So they're less in, they're less inclined to just try to pull stuff up, but but if you think about and and not to go geopolitical here because Richard will totally dominate this conversation, but if you think about the way that is rippling through the world, you can see the 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 BS sort of being called on a global scale, and uh, you know there's numerous things in the news that we could go on and on about. But, yeah, but I well, do just, tr- I mean- totally think it's revolutionary. Yeah, and without getting geopolitical, just looking at the last two um, political conventions, you know, yeah. like within minutes yeah. of someone saying something. I mean, yesterday, uh, what's that guy's name? Ryan said something, and they called him on it. And then just yesterday, uh, someone in the um, Obama group said yep. something, and they called him on it. And it's like, wrong is wrong, yep, right? right? I mean, we're at least starting to agree on facts. But these guys are still not living in an internet world. I don't think. I don't think the politicians have got it yet. Well, no, because they're f- probably in their f- 50s. And by 50s, I don't mean to impute old people uh, or people in their 50s, but rather they just didn't grow up with that internet. What does impugn mean? Uh, imp- <laughs> <laughs> Mr. On, big me, words. Let me bing that. <laughs> Hang on a second. Well, it's, it's, better, it's better to use a big word like that than to mispronounce it, though. Yeah. I've like you know you don't want to like go your entire life saying impugni or something <laughs> yeah that would be bad. <laughs> well, that shows that you read but you don't talk to people. Yeah, I I actually um had a couple of words that I had been mispronouncing for forty years. Do you ever have one of those? Yeah, it's been a while, but I did get called on one of those. You know, most most of the time, it's like town names. When I went to work in New York for the first time, and I came down and I said, you know, I almost took the exit at Mamaranek, and they all laughed at me. I'm like, what? And it's like, it's Mamaranek, you idiot. <laughs> you know, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, whatever. In Oregon, there's the Willamette River, and everyone calls it the Willamette. Right. The Willamette. Yep. Yeah, totally wrong. Okay. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik, who have controls for Windows 8 already. They're looking for beta testers for their new RAD controls for Metro. You can request an access code at Telerik.com Metro to get access to the industry's first control set for building apps for Windows 8. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. So can we talk about podcasts as a, as a learning tool? Because I think we all have, uh, you know, we come from a place of, I don't know if about authority, but certainly experience with this. Um, obviously, we're those people that learn by listening, except for Richard, who's a freak of nature. We've established that right at the beginning of the show. But do you, do you find that uh, listening 
to the to you know radio programs or podcasts in general is how you get most of your information you guys i for me personally i i love that i love especially in a new when i'm trying to learn something new you know you, you kind of search out like who's podcasting about it and who's on that podcast and then you find out people's names and what they're doing and the projects that are alive and well and then you learn some good habits and then they start to argue and you can figure out the tension points I think it's interesting, but I'll tell you what I think would be more interesting is if Scott and I hijacked the show um, and turned the tables on you guys. I warned you I was going to do this, and I think I'm going to have to, because honestly, I'm curious, more curious about you guys and 800 shows. That is insane. Yeah. I mean, I have a show sitting in front of me that Scott and I have been, have been trying to do for the last, what, five months now? Can't yeah. seem to get the thing yeah. out. And and you guys just churn, man. And you and I was we were talking before we recorded here that you guys you put a lot of work into each show. You know who's coming on, you know the subject, you're able to ask intelligent questions, which is I think light years beyond most of the podcasts out there. So let me ask you guys a question. How do you do it every single week? I mean, how do you get up for the show? I think the difference is that uh you guys have jobs. Mm. <laughs> That is what yeah. I'm saying is this is our job. <laughs> no, I mean, that's true. It, it literally is. I mean, the yeah, stuff, the extra absolutely. stuff we do is extra stuff. It's yeah. not that we go to work every day and then we come home and we podcast. This is this is literally our job. Yeah, I think that's probably true. It's probably exactly it. Because, you know, if I could take two days off and we could finish the, the episode of This Developer's Life we've been working on. And ironically, the episode that we have... Uh, is actually like three different episodes, hmm. you know? Like people people are like, when's the next show? When When's the next show? It's like, well, you know, we've actually kind of got three. They're kind of halfway done. I want to know how Scott does it. Scott, I mean, how do you work for big, you know, the big, the big M and continue to pump out so many podcasts? Well, the podcast is, is, is a, is easy now because it's once a week. And I just need a good guest and a little bit of research and uh, a little bit of thought, and that you know it, it handles it handles itself. Yeah. Um, Having the editing infrastructure of Pop Studios. Yeah, is really, I mean, being able to upload really it to great. you guys and have Lawrence handle it. Yeah. Is is awesome. Yep. If if I didn't edit it at all, I think it would still be okay. It just wouldn't have that polish. It wouldn't sound like NPR anymore. It would just sound like a guy talking into a microphone. Right. But there's something more here that that I think a lot of people listening, because you guys make it easy. And I mean, especially you, Scott, listening to Hansel Minutes. I mean, it just flows. And I remember the first time you had me on a long time ago, I was just completely blown away that you said, okay, we're starting. And then you started. And then 20 mm -hmm. minutes later, we were finished. And that was that. Mm. Isn't that the and point, though? No, it's the, not really, because I, on the way to work today, I was listening to a podcast, and I was yelling at the at the radio. And I know that I'm a little bit more sensitive, because, you know, I like to do production work. But I was telling Scott Richard that the way the show started, the host came out and said, oh, we had a question asked on User Voice. Uh, I guess I should have it open. And then they paused for yeah, a second. And goes, oh, yeah. I, I can't find the question. And, like, without dishing too much dirt, it was still like, I, seriously, you're going to make me sit here? You couldn't edit that out? Yeah. I can't stand that. Well, what a lot of people don't understand about podcasting is there's a flow to it. There's a way of speaking to people. You guys are, I want to know more about how you manage to put good content down 
and guide people along. That is, to me, a skill. Yeah, I think if there's a skill there, because it's not like we don't drop the ball. Right. I mean, I can't tell you how many times Carl, you know, says to me, all right, who's talking to us today, Richard? And I'm, I just had it up on the screen and now I can't find it. Give me a sec. Right. <laughs> yeah. But or or, you know, we come to that uncomfortable place where the guest feels like they've said all they want to say. And Richard and I don't really have any more questions. And, you know. So, where yeah. do we want to go now? You know, we'll have this meta conversation and and we'll take a risk like we'll ask a question that you could just maybe would totally bomb. Yeah. But because we know we've got the editing team behind us and they're listening for content, not just, you know, making prepping the audio, but they we've trained them to say, you know, this is irrelevant, take it out. So uh, even if we don't say edit point, usually it's very obvious that uh, that you know we we can back up and we'll take it from here. We give them a little space and then we ask the question again. And if it doesn't work, yeah, Adam, we've totally done that. I mean, we've had a three minute, four minute conversation. All of a sudden, it's like you know what, not working. Let's yeah. back up you know, to. I've, I've never done that though. Yeah. I've never done that. That's very interesting. I didn't realize that you guys did do yeah, that. There are pieces that work and pieces yep. that don't. I think uh, you, again, you argue mm-hmm. what's the skill? The skill is in remembering where you left off and creating oh, a good transition to the mm-hmm. next piece. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Here's what happens. You, you know, get- a phone will hang up or a Skype will turn into blah, 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 blah. And, you know, we'll have to wait. And then that person will have to remember what the heck they were talking about. So usually they have to back up f- to where we ask the question. Do you guys ever listen to Fresh Air? Uh, oh, Terry yeah. Gross. Yeah. W-H-Y-Y, it, Philadelphia. You, she, she is so good that you don't know what she's doing. And I love that. It's just like watching gymnastics when they're so talented that it, they just make it look incredibly easy. And I was listening to her interview, Louis C.K., the other day, and her questions yeah. were just stunningly brilliant. It was a great interview. And I kept thinking, yeah, is it, is it, a, is it a factor of like doing research on your on the person you're interviewing to know the questions beforehand or do you make it up on the fly and i'm sure it's a little bit of both i honestly fear knowing too much about a subject yeah, and too. running past the audience you know if we're doing a show on web performance carl will ask most of the questions because i do a lot of work in web performance and i skip a lot of stuff that i already know and you'll leave the audience behind. So it's like what what you're strongest in is probably you shouldn't take the lead because you know your audience isn't necessarily that strong in that. Mm. So there's there's a part of don't know too much and don't jump. But but also you know just know the questions that you would ask because we're developers. We can ask those questions as if we're seeing this for the first time. You know what is the guy who's out there listening want to know? Where and you know most of the time it comes down to. What are the limitations? Where do, where does it fail? Where does it break down? Where where is this not a good thing? Those questions seem to um, be very valuable because you know most people just I think tend to focus on all the good stuff. And uh, one of the things that I always try and do, and I'm talking to people in this developer's life, I know Scott does too, is is pushing them off their axis, which is really hard to do because it takes a lot of time, and you got to get them into a, a comfortable place and then you have to push them right off because that's where the gold is and i was listening again to terry gross uh, but this time when she was on this american life and she was interviewing david rakoff and it was fascinating he was just talking and, and she scissored him with this question that was so intensely personal and this is a guy who's already giving so much of himself 
that it made him uncomfortable and it shook him. And she just, she was, she did not back off of it. You know, and, you know, normally you're like, oh, don't answer that if you know. Mm. I love that kind of stuff. Um, do you guys ever find yourself in that position where you're with somebody who's really polished and you're trying to ask them a question and they're giving you PR speak back? You're like, no, really, why did you make that tool? Or what's the point? Hey, you know, there's always a back channel between Carl and I via IM. And Carl's usually the one who says, that guy needs a pie in the face. <laughs> and then either I say yes, which means it's me, or I'll say you, which means it's him. And no, we whack right, that like, guy in the face with a pie. A disclaimer, though. That has only happened once or twice. It's happened. I got the I am logs, man. You are usually the one who calls it out. It, it well, is, uh, you know, and, and he's right. The last time, and I can't remember who it was, but... You know, we were asking technical questions and we were getting marketing speak and, and it just occurred to me that we weren't talking to the right guy. And uh, and so I, I did. I am Richard and said, you know, I don't think we're going to get this uh, the information out of him. So I, I can't remember what we did. I, I'm sure we didn't. I'm sure we didn't call it. No, but we, no, um, there's no point in humiliating someone. No, no, I mean, we've scrapped shows where it was clearly this isn't going to work. This is not the content the audience wants. Or right. you've got to move in a different direction and get a different show. But I also think we have a luxury. Like most people are baffled we've done so many. I have a bunch of shows in the hopper. We can afford to lose a few or derail a few because there's another one coming in an hour. You know, we'll shoot four in a day. We can lose a couple along the way. Yeah, I mean, most people are intimidated by the number, but I feel liberated by the number. Yeah, I know I got two every week of .NET Rocks, which means I'm going to get you one real good techie show, and I have some freedom to play with the other one. That's where the geek outs come from. That's where we get these crazy history shows. You know, we could we could explore because there's room, you know, that, that folks are going to get value. In case you guys haven't picked up by now, Richard is the editorial calendar guy. He He's the guy who typically goes out and finds the guests. And uh, when guests come to me, potential guests come to me and I get ideas, I just send them over to Richard. Because he manages the the calendar, the editorial calendar there, and he does a great job. Man, Richard, you do a great job. Thanks, buddy. I mean, it's all in one note. I think in story arcs, right? I look at when products are shipping, you know, when announcements are coming, uh, when events are going on, and then I back up enough weeks to say, hey, if Studio Twenty Twelve is coming, what points do we want to hit before it ships? And who am I going to get for that? You know, it's, you either go subject matter special, subject matter, find a specialist, or you've got, look, if Anders Halsberg wants to come on the show and talk about omelets, we'll let him. <laughs> it's Anders Halsberg, right? There's certain personalities. And every once in a while, he gives me a little, uh, you know, a delicious guest talking about, you know, async server stuff or, or threading and just those crazy things that I'm fascinated by. Yeah, and it's a, and it, you know they're candy for him. I don't even warn him. So the show's got, <laughs> it's like you're gonna like this. This is a present for you. Something I'm always curious about with Hansel minutes too is uh, Scott. You must have interviewed somebody that said something to you that you thought that's just wrong, or I'm going to challenge you, or but in a polite way because you're the host. You don't want to you know skewer them too hard. But have you ever pushed a guest or pushed back? Uh, you know, I. I am not you guys, and no, I really haven't. I don't, I don't trap them. I don't have a back channel. I don't. I I I research it. I figure out the agenda and what I'm going to ask them ahead of time. I try to be the advocate, playing the role of the listener. 
I ask questions that I might know the answer to because the audience doesn't know the answer to them. My show is an edu- my show is an educational show. I'm not trying to piss someone off if they have an opinion that I don't agree I with. S- that's their opinion. The show is about them. It's not about me. Certainly, I'm not meaning that you would make them angry. All I mean is simply do do push people. I think what Carl and Richard are saying is that you get guests sometimes that maybe will dance around a question and then you have to ask the question again. Or if you feel that you're maybe on to something that is important to the listener and maybe the guest uh, isn't terribly comfortable with it. Do you ever do that? I've had a couple of times when they'll say, I can't answer that because I, it's not my expertise or it's because it's not something that I'm allowed to or comfortable with or whatever, but that's not going to cause me to push them down the stairs. Wasn't it a this developer's life, Rob? You were taking Scott to task for not, you know, somebody just comes on his blog and and flames him or, or uh, does some says some kind of th- absolutely incorrect thing, and and you're like Scott, why don't you just jump on that guy, man? Just give him what, tell him how much stupid he is. <laughs> yeah, that was well, that was the last Hansel minutes where I, I took over his show and I interviewed him. Right, right. Um, yeah, but I, you don't. You're not a confrontational guy, Scott. Well, yeah, it's funny. There is a balance there. I think. I think that there is value in in maybe pushing somebody just a little bit. Well, as I said before, to what end? To prove what? I don't think it's pushing them to an uncomfortable space. However, uh, you know, if we were to sit here with our little, you know, veneer up, how much can people really know? Well, hang on a second. You see that I, I I reject that. You're I've got into this with people before. The idea that somehow being pleasant means a veneer, or being kind implies a veneer. Why does why why does not challenging someone on being wrong have anything to do with whether or not there's some social veneer on top of it? Oh boy, this is so recursive. Just be nice. Sure. Yeah, I think the trick though is to sort of get to the bottom of the the truth about something because that's really what you're trying to do you're trying to say um mm-hmm. that that is actually incorrect you know if it's a well, cut and dry fact that's one thing sure. to correct somebody but if you have a different opinion there you go and this is what i think scott's talking about if you have a if it's mm-hmm. a difference right. of opinion or a judgment call that doesn't warrant a a, a flame oh certainly Agreed. and i wasn't talking about i was maybe i didn't put it right I wasn't necessarily talking. The original question it wasn't it wasn't to push someone saying you're incorrect. It was more to say I don't I don't follow what you're saying because everything I've learned tells me this. Sure, sure. Maybe you could help me with that. I haven't had people on the show that are wrong very often. If they were wrong, they wouldn't be on the show. Yeah. Mm. And we've had it we've had cases where someone's made a genuine mistake and you know, as, as I'm collecting links and stuff to add to the show notes, realized they were wrong and stopped the show and said, hey, by the way, what you said is incorrect. Here's what it says. Let's double check this. Okay, back up. Let's fix it. Yep. Yep. Right? We have done that. Yeah. Because well, sure. again, I'm not trying, you, you know, nobody wants to hear you humiliate someone. That's not good for oh, anybody. And you don't, right. you don't want somebody to humiliate themselves either by, by saying something incorrect. And not only that, but just to, if you know it's incorrect, now you're helping the spread of the in, in misinformation. Yeah. Well, like we said before, we were talking uh, before the show started about watching Scott debug something and how the value, there's value in that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And in a sense, I see, I know, I, I really, this is important to me. I'm not trying to tout that conflict is, is a good thing. Uh, I don't think it is. But I do think uh, it's instructive to hear people have a disagreement 
but in a healthy way or, or possibly suss out a detail that needs to be sussed out. Um, yeah. And I, I was just curious, like Scott and I just had a back and forth there where Scott challenged me. He didn't agree with what I said. And I think that was some of the tension that was really good about the Hansel minutes that we did between the two of us is we didn't fight. We didn't have any conflict, but we, we had differing points of view that we sussed out. And okay. uh, I guess for all of you guys, I'm so curious how you handle it. And so far, I've heard what Richard was saying, and, and Scott was basically saying, I kind of sidestep it, I guess. Um, but I, do you, don't you guys find that there's value there? I think the, I think the key in, uh, in avoiding those, because I kind of think that some of those confrontations are unnecessary. But um, I think the key in avoiding them is um, don't assume anything. You know, just don't assume when somebody says X that they meant Y. And and I think it's a very difficult thing to do because we all kind of come bring our own baggage to the table and what we maybe have heard somebody say something similar before, but realize that they had a different intent. You know what I mean? Uh, so I think just clarifying, getting a clear, getting somebody to clarify their position is probably a better way to go about it. Agreed. Yeah. Richard, you know what time it is? Really? Really? It's that time? Yeah, it's that time. Just because this is show 800 doesn't mean we're not doing a prize giveaway. So, awesome. uh, a lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club is going to get a Telerik DevCraft complete collection, which is everything that they make in one box, essentially. Today's winner is Satish Chundru. Ah, congratulations. Golf clap for you, Satish. Absolutely. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff graphic, which is in the upper right-hand corner, and join the club. Join the fan club. It's easy, it's free, and you could win something. And every year, starting this December, we're giving away $5,000 worth of hand-picked technology, hand-picked by yours truly and Richard the Toy Boy, so it should be good. Mr. Hansman. I was just going to say that, I'll just use this as an example. There, I follow about, I don't know, 3,000 people on Twitter, and I've got about 60,000 following me. And there's one particular person who is always it's not you rob relax who is who is always negative yeah and by that i'm saying that literally in three years i see this same simpsons character just being negative it doesn't matter what the topic i mean it could be something as simple as like this is a great tv show and it comes back with some negative negative thing and and then i go and look at this guy's timeline and see negativity going back you know, 900 days right. to everyone, not just to me. Yeah. And if you say, why are you so negative? And so it's like, oh, I'm just being realistic. I'm like, well, yeah. okay. And that just comes down to the three fundamental laws of, of uh, is the glass half full? Is the glass half empty? Or is there too much glass? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have trolling, always felt that there's too know. much glass. But, nice. these, you know, this whole glass is half empty thing, I just don't get it. And... You know, I, I have friends and I have relatives who complain about life, right? Like literally, life is against them. If they get a cold as they're going to to a conference, right? Then you know, there you go, here it is, right? You know, God says ha, and right. it's like you know, really, maybe you just got a cold. <laughs> um, so where you know, I just think people need to just relax. Well, that's a Coveyism too, right? Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% what you do about it. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so a lot of time, a lot of my time with Rob uh, is just telling him to chill out. <laughs> oh, oh. See, now that was an unprovoked little swing there right go. there. This is crazy. So this <laughs> is good radio right here, ladies and gentlemen. This little, is what little Rob's left cross, brother Hanselman and Connery <laughs> oh, staggers. I'm just playing. All see, right, so now no, there, people are going to man. Now, hey, it's 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 whether now what are you going to do with it? So people are going to remember this moment because of the negativity involved and the emotion. <laughs> unprovoked negativity. Yeah, All right, there you go. The well, silverback so, rises up. So here's what so I explain. Explain the so explain the silverback comment because I don't think everyone gets that. What is a silverback? Rob? Oh, do you want me to tell the whole story? Uh, oh no, I guess I already did. Well, well just all right. explain so, it to uh, to people. Yeah, Scott and I were having a really kind of off the cuff conversation on um, our phones one day, and just talking about an incident that happened. And I said, "Dude, be the silverback. Rise up, man." You know, and 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 he said, "Silverback, that's and a silverback is the alpha." gorilla you know if you remember from uh what's the what's the what's the movie the the anthropologist movie Jane gorillas Goodall. in the mist yeah the gorillas, gorillas in the mist that's where i first that's where i first heard that term and it just seemed appropriate because they just kind of sit there quietly but you make them mad and look out yeah. and i just thought come on scott be the alpha male and <laughs> oh, okay i guess i just got that treatment <laughs> I was gonna say for some for some reason when I hear silverback I I hear silver first which I inevitably take as me being old. Nice. Ah. Well, it's and it's part of what it means to a gorilla too, right? That's the, he's, he's saying like be the wise elder is what I hear there. So Carl, yeah, Richard, you ever embed Excel into an application? Ugh, you know that's right up there with sticking ice picks in my ears. Nice, because your end users have to have the right version of Office and all that stuff. Yeah. And it has that extra layer of dependency. What I want is just a way to take all that Excel goodness and plop it right into my .NET application. Well, you reminded me of Farpoint Spread from the old days. Yeah, 20 years ago I used Farpoint Spread. But now, of course, it's Component1Spread.net. And now, you know, they have this version that's both for ASP.NET and for Windows Forms in one package. Nice. Yeah, it's two different controls, obviously, but it's in one package, so... You bought one, you bought the other. Right. Spread.net from Component 1. Smarter components for smarter developers. So going back to your trolling comment about the negative guy and, uh, you know, the, the people who are just constantly complaining about life, uh, I think the problem there is they spend too much time in, in the society role. And, you know, there are three sort of modes of life. If you think about your relationship to your immediate society, your family, well, not your immediate society, but just daily life, you know, family, your car, your gas, your, your mortgage, your, you know, the, the person at the checkout line that gave you a dirty look like that, that is sort of level one. And you do have to spend a fair amount of time there because after all, that's the details of life, paying bills and all that. Number two is your relationship to society which is, you know, increasingly becoming sort of blended with online, your local community, like your local, your, 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 the people who are important to you and all of the things that that means in your mind. And the third one is, a, a, has typically been a spiritual life, but, you know, sort of the decline of religion has diminished that a little bit. And we've tried, had as a species to find new ways to connect with things that are bigger than us. But that is really what we're talking about, connecting with some, you know, spending a third of your time with your head somewhere else feeling insignificant, going and standing and looking up at the stars, 
can be can fulfill that need. But I think that's when you, when you find people who are too in local life and too in detail of daily life, that's what you need. You need that sort of perspective. And and I'm thinking bringing this all the way back to Richard and why you know he is the way he is because Richard do you find that your spiritual life is all mixed up in space and science and research because that connects you to something that is bigger than you mm, no you know the secret of me is that i actually spend more time outside than you know that right? is true richard is outside a lot yeah uh, the trips to nepal the wilderness hiking around here you know that's uh, just walking the dog that's the the recharge connect with the universe moments but you agree that that you sort of need that on a regular basis, constantly, steadily. Yeah, and okay. they, they pose a real danger for us as developers, who we tend to be focused inward on these, uh, you know, little boxes constantly. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned about inward, and this will sound this this might sound random and critical, but I was I was at a uh, Okay, let me just come out and say it. I'll just confess. I was at McDonald's earlier today. <laughs> oh. No, I know. Hang you on. Got a hang Mc, on. McDiabetes meal. They hang on now. They have there are there's free Wi-Fi and there are things you can buy at McDonald's that are not bad. Yeah. Uh well, thing. Yeah. But, salad. Um, yeah. Point is, yeah, salad with dressing on the side. Point is that they've got free Wi-Fi and I'm I'm looking around though and I'm I'm just looking at people who are not in inwardly focused mm. they're not working on themselves at yeah. all and i'm wondering at what point in your life do you learn the difference between being selfish which i believe a lot of people are are and being self-focused you know mm-hmm. what i mean like the yeah, idea of extreme extreme self-care like it's okay to say I think about what I put in my mouth and everything that I put in my mouth can either help me or hurt me and I'm going to make decisions. Now realize, of course, that I'm sitting at McDonald's thinking about how awesome I am as I think think poorly of everyone else at McDonald's. Because everybody that, needs to feel superior once in a while. Yeah. That notwithstanding, um, the, the, that idea that like you want to just kind of pull people aside and say, you know, you don't have to walk around with this negativity or in that body or whatever. It's like, if you don't like something, whatever that thing is, stop. Do it differently. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you can't save them all either, right? I think the line I've, I've used this on Carl before. Trying to save anybody. I just <clears throat> people just can chill out. Yeah, and you, be you, happy and relax and not be so tense about whatever they're tense about. And uh, think about what they're putting into their heads. And mm. if they don't like something in their life, whatever it is, change it. Mm. They, I mean, there is the yeah total information diet element of this is you, you're reading the packages of food to figure out what's nutritious and what isn't, you know, same thing with what you read, you know, where you're getting your news from and the folks you interact with, they're mm. toxic people out there. Like you there don't, are. don't hang around with the poison. It gets old fast and it's contagious. Boy, you know, that may sound pretentious, but it's so true. The company you keep and the things that you choose to, uh, the, the things that you choose to put in your mind really define who you are. And that's essentially Buddhism. That's a Buddhist <laughs> you know, concept. Did I tell you guys that I went to my 20 year high school reunion? No. No. Yeah, I went a couple weeks ago. 
And there's two interesting things that came out of that. First one was the whole, like, aren't you excited about going and reconnecting with all these people? And it's like, well, if I really wanted to, I wouldn't have lost connection with them. Right. Mm. You know, seriously. Yeah, that's fair. And and then the, the second one was that by te- your tenure is garbage. There's still, like, all this posturing and jockeying for position. But by 20... Everyone has basically become who they're going to become. Yeah. So it was nice to find out like, oh, wow, you did realize that you were a horrible person and you fixed that. (laughs) (laughs) I can see what you got from your your reunion. Good for you for not (laughs) sucking the whole of your life. (laughs) I mean, there were some some mean, mean people. It's true. Uh, Yeah. And now now they're less mean and that's nice. I just have to say there's a delicious little bit of irony to this discussion line that we're having here because we started talking a while, uh, you know, a few minutes back about pushing interviewees or, or the people you're talking to pushing to kind of get below the veneer. And, and I felt, you know, you guys were like, Oh, it's, you know, you want to be nice and so on. But here we're talking about true meaning, you know, and diving below what you're given and I mean, that's for me when in a podcast, when people push themselves to get beyond the PR speak and beyond, oh, well, this is the coolest thing ever. And why do you think so? Or, or challenging a little bit, you get, you get underneath that. Um, for instance, when I was listening again to Terry Gross talking to Louis C.K. and they were talking about his style of comedy. And the thing that makes it so powerful is that it sits right on the uncomfortable parts of being human. Yeah. And he laughs about it. And to me, I find that just so wonderful because I don't want to sit there while someone, you know, extols the virtues of a new thing and how it's going to save the world. And equally, I don't want to hear someone say, oh, you're just saying it's, you know, it's a fashion thing. It's a trend. You're a fanboy. Like Mm. both of those things mean nothing to me, Mm. but you get below those arguments and then you get, you get to some interesting things, but to get below those arguments, you have to push a little bit. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not, again, not saying push for conflict. Mm. I'm just saying you got to kind of push someone off their axis. Um, I love, I love that, you know, we're having this little bit more spiritual discussion because I think this is the, this is the thing that really motivates people and makes a difference to the person who's out there negative and is tired of seeing the stream of crap that comes across Twitter and they want to hear something real. Mm. And I think that does make a difference to people. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, the fundamental, uh, experience of spirituality is a connection to something bigger than yourself. And, and it doesn't have to be in a church or it doesn't have to be religious at all. Um, like I said before, just go, go outside, look up. That's really all it takes, you know, to get that change of perspective. If you have any idea what you're looking at, you, it, it's humbling. I'm just typing out that Carl needs a pie in the face. <laughs> 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 stay, stay, stay classy, Connery. Stay classy. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. <laughs> Sorry. All right, guys. I think that's a show. This is—it's always good to talk to you in person, and I'm glad we were able to share some of these conversations with everybody else. I wish you continued success, Scott, and to you too, Rob, and uh, to Richard too. and me. I—I I hope that we get to do this for a long, long time to come. It's truly an honor. Well, I notice you format the files so that they are actually a four-digit number for the show numbers. And yeah. And we're closing in on Yeah, you better four fix digits. that problem. Yeah. Well, you know, we've got uh, more than 10 times the number of shows that we've done to go before we reach that limit. I don't know if I'm going to live that long. Yeah. 
<laughs> we make it All to right. 1,000, we'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk, yeah. All right, guys, thank you again. Thank you so much. Bye. And we'll see you, see you next time. Hey, thanks for listening. And remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 minutes of free video training by guests on .NET Rocks and other experts in the field. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a van by the FCC. Yes, I'm a, a